Welcome to episode six of the Feminine Coaching Podcast. This is our final episode in this pop-up series where we've been exploring some of the key philosophies and views of coaches, women, healers, and practitioners who desire to work in feminine ways. I'm really excited to bring you three very special guests within this episode today where we're exploring stories from students. So I believe that each woman really brings her own embodied experience, her own flavor, her own expertise to the way that she works and to the way that she coaches. And no two coaches are alike. And yet we might use the same tools, the same structure or the same view of the world, the same philosophy. Here at the School of Embodied Arts, we really believe that it's important to cultivate both of these aspects within every student and within every coach. So to clarify, the two aspects are number one, the masculine container, the structure and the supports of a reliable coaching system. That's the first piece. And the second piece, number two, the feeling feminine flowing aliveness which is birthed forward from the individual practitioner. And this is what makes her work, our work, really sincere and deeply authentic. And both of these ingredients are required, a structure to rest into, as well as a very deep, very felt flavor of who you are as an individual to weave through the way that you work. This is what creates a really profound resonance and excitement to do your work in the world. And it's a real key to success. In today's podcast, we're going to be speaking with three women who are current students of the Feminine Embodiment Coaching Certification. And these conversations are really intriguing because we're going to get a feel for these very different and very diverse flavors that each sovereign woman brings to her use of the embodied tools. Some of the stories that they share are beautiful and inspiring. Some are deeply tragic. And so in today's podcast, really excited to welcome from America, we welcome Simone Turner. From Australia, Kate Lipa. And from Sweden, Hane Lina. We're going to kickstart things by speaking with Simone hearing about when she first knew she desired to coach with women and what flavor she brings to the tools of working with the feminine. Welcome to the podcast, Simone. I want to kick things off by welcoming you. I know you're coming to us from Texas today and by beginning with this question. When did you first know or realize that you had the desire that you wanted to work with and coach with others? Can you share that story with us? Well, Jenna, you know, it's interesting. Um, as you were asking that question, my mind started to actually go back to, I was kind of groomed and told that I would be in some kind of leadership position since I was six years old. Mm. So I think it really started, the seed that was planted started there. I just didn't know what it looked like, what form it would be in. Um, and so as I got older, uh, one of the things that my mom used to do is she would speak for career day. She had a friend who was a principal at a high school in Brooklyn and she would 
uh, be asked to come and speak for career day. And instead of her speaking, she would pull me out of school at 13, 14, and 15 years old to speak to the students. And that was back then the most terrifying thing for me. And I was like, what am I going to say to these kids who are like the same age as me? <laughs> um, but I realized looking back how she really prepared me. And I don't know if she did it purposely or if it's just the way things happened. Um, she prepared me to kind of use my voice and speak up. And so for me, uh, I wanted to get into some form of public speaking, but again, I was so adept in, you know, the societal norms of going to school, getting a good job, doing all of these things. And I just didn't know what that looked like yet. So for the longest time, it was very murky for me. It's not like, you know, for some people, they know exactly what it is that they want to do. It took me a while to kind of pinpoint that. And I think the catalyst for me getting into wanting to um, coach and wanting to be able to support other women, especially other women of color and black women who look like me, um, I got sick. That's really what did it. I, I had an issue where I landed in the emergency room uh, uh, due to extreme case of fibroids i had to have a surgery and at that time i i always grew up healthy my mom was like one of those weird parents who made me drink uh green juice before green juice was even popular she was juicing and doing all this crazy stuff and before it was really popular so i've always been pretty healthy you know um i had three home-cooked meals every day I only went out to McDonald's like maybe the time that we have Christmas. That's how often I had it throughout the year. So that just goes to tell you, I was, I grew up pretty healthy. So I didn't understand how I ended up in the situation of being in an emergency room, having fibroids. And so when that happened, I started to study for myself, what were the things that contributed to me having fibroids? Um, one of them that I realized, besides the fact that, you know, you leave your parents home, you become an adult, you start to do things on your own. I really wasn't eating well, but it wasn't because I didn't know better. It, it was because of the level of stress I was dealing with and the unhappiness of being at a job that I did not like. Um, I was getting paid a lot of money. I mean, I had, I was working for the telephone company at the time. I was probably in my mid-20s coming into my early 30s uh and in new york cl be making close to ninety thousand dollars at that time uh, and that age was a lot of money <laughs> but I, I just wasn't happy and so i started to look into what is it that i really wanted to do and what could i do that would get me out of this job and that's when i came across a nutrition school um, I attended the Institute for Integrative Nutrition, and I actually began my path as a health coach, a certified health coach. So that's how I got started. I used to give cooking classes. I don't know, some people may listen to this and remember when I used to do the healthy movie nights once a month in New York. And so that was fun. But really, I started to realize that 
something underlying um, as far as like the spirit, the soul. I wanted to get deeper and go deeper into that level of work. And especially because in my culture, that wasn't something that was really taught to us. You know, um, we weren't taught to get in tune with ourselves. We weren't taught to trust our intuition. We're not taught to connect with our soul. You know, it's something that people are doing now. And like back in the day when my mother used to do the green juice and it wasn't popular, like doing this is popular now, trying to really connect with yourself, but it wasn't so much before. So, and then I was blessed to find you. (laughs) And then our paths crossed. I love that story. I love hearing in more detail all of the trials and the tribulations and the personal experience. And this is so common that we see this, Simone, that there is some personal lived experience, some personal embodied experience, which radically changes the trajectory of your life, opens up something that's really new and wild and different and fulfilling for you. So for it, for you, in your case, it was a combination of things really coming to your body, giving you the symptom of the fibroids. And that just opened up a totally new path. So inspiring to hear. So I want to ask you next, and what I might actually do, let's turn our video off. I think the quality of our audio is okay, but I want to make sure it's as crisp as perfect. Is that okay for you Well, if we turn sure. our audio off? Yeah, cool. Sure. Oh, not our audio, our video. <laughs> We'd be pretty yes, yeah, turn our audio off. <laughs> so moving gears now, I'm really curious to hear. With all this lived, personal, embodied experience that's brought you up until this point, if you were really to distill down what you feel, your core message, your core truth, the thing that you and that all of this sometimes painful experience has brought you to, to share with others, to share with other women, to share with other women of color, I'm really curious, what do you feel like that real core message and core truth for you has been and is? You know, Jenna, the, the biggest thing, my biggest message is trusting ourselves and setting boundaries, setting really good boundaries. I know growing up, Boundaries was not something that was really, um, I guess the word I was look. I guess the word I can use is made. You know, people, family members, friends, they cross boundaries all the time. They cross your personal boundaries all the time. I never knew until I became older that it was okay to say no. Um, yes, no on important things. Of course, my mom told me you know, never let anybody touch you. Don't go with strangers. All of these things you were to say no to. But when I mean setting boundaries and saying no, is a lot of times we as women, and especially because Black women have been in a position where we have always been the caretakers or the caregivers. We have always been the people taking care of ourselves Um, throughout history, we've never really had the opportunity to claim our yes and our no. It's It's always been told to us when to say yes and when to say no. 
And so I'm finding that that is really the depth of my message is helping women to set healthy boundaries and to be very in tune with their intuitive voice, to trust that voice, to know that that voice has your best interests, whether you want to call that voice spirit, the universe, God, I say God. Um, I just believe that we have, we have been built and created with the inner knowing that outside forces will tell us, no, don't believe, don't believe that voice you hear. Don't believe in yourself. And so for me, applying that to women who look like me is very crucial and very important because I believe that can help us to shift how we see ourselves in the world, how we show up, how we feel more empowered in the things that we would like to achieve and do. Um, so that's a very important message for me. And it is so needed. I love hearing your take and your perspective of your experience of boundaries, which I know for me impact the decisions that I make, the ways that I say yes, the agreements that I allow, and every single aspect of my life is informed by the boundaries that I'm holding or not holding, by the boundaries that are permeable, by the boundaries that are exhausting, and by the boundaries that are sustaining so I'm, I love how clear you are in this and uh, your voice around it is beautiful. So Simone, I'm also curious to know from you on this path of bringing your message around boundaries and trusting this inner voice on your path of stepping up to share this work. What do you feel has been the real biggest personal challenge for you in bringing these passions forward? It's funny because they always say the thing you teach is what you yourself need to learn the most. And so the things that I've just shared with you are things that I needed to learn the most for myself. Like I said, I come from a family of very strong Black women. Um, they always spoke up. But as a child, you were told things like stay in a child's place. Um, don't talk back. It wasn't really fostered for you to kind of have your own thinking until you were of a certain age where really your your parents couldn't could no longer control that. And God, I know it sounds bad. I don't want people to listen to this and think, oh my God, she had a horror of a mother. My mother is the best mother that I could have ever asked for growing up in this world. She taught me um, a lot of things about life, but there were things that she just passed down that she didn't know. You know, speaking, communication and speaking up for yourself in a way um, that may have been considered disrespectful, but was just you voicing your opinion was not something that was taught to her growing up. So it was kind of just passed down to me. Like, yeah, I can talk to my mom, but there were still certain things that I couldn't speak on. Um, and so I struggled with being an adult in my adult years, how to speak up for certain things that my spirit, my intuition was saying, no, you don't really agree with that. But, you know, I wanted to be the nice person, 
I wanted to be the nice girl. Um, I think to some degree, I wanted to be liked, even though I knew how to stand up for myself. <laughs> My friends would tell you that growing up, like I wasn't really too much of a follower in that sense. Um, but I did like to have friends. I like to laugh. I like to play. And so I would sometimes um, agree with things that maybe I felt like, mm, I don't really agree with it, but I don't want to say too much. So I had to learn how to tap into that strength, that courage to speak on things, even when it was uncomfortable and difficult. And today, <laughs> I have no problem doing that. People um, really see me as the person, the people who know me and people who get to know me. They really see me as the person who they'll tell you, oh, Simone shoots from the hip. Like she's going to speak what she needs to speak and she's straight no chaser. And I don't do it to be condescending, sarcastic, or to hurt anyone's feelings. Anytime I'm speaking on anything, uh, people that really know me know that I'm speaking from a place of um, love. I'm speaking from a place of concern. Um, if it's something that I can, you know, see in them, um, sometimes you have to be careful about how people speak up because not all the time do they have your best interests. And I had to learn discernment. So one of the things that I also had to cultivate on this path is learning discernment as well as speaking up for myself, even when it was uncomfortable. So delicious. I absolutely agree with you that the thing that we find most challenging is the thing that we become masterful at and are in such a good position to hold a powerful confidence and resonance and safety around those same issues. So I can really hear from your experience that there's been so many various qualities that you've really developed and cultivated within yourself because like so many women, even women with the most amazing mothers, we're in a phase of evolution and our mothers, as you've really expressed, they're our first blueprint for what it means to be a woman. But as society and culture is shifting and changing so rapidly, that blueprint of what it means to be a woman or an individual who identifies as feminine is absolutely evolving. And so we're really at the coal front, the frontier, despite having sometimes a really amazing blueprint to begin to structure ourselves from. And so, Simone, I'm also really interested to know if you were to identify what inner resource or outer resource has been the single biggest help for you bringing these passions forward, I'm curious, what quality or resource inside or beyond you has been your, uh, has been your fuel, your rocket fuel for continuing to devote and continuing to step forward even when? There were challenges in your way. Okay, how much time do we have again? Because this can take a long. Time. <laughs> Give me the highlight. And, <laughs> and I say that I say that because I have I've truly come to an understanding of what it means to make an investment in yourself, whether that's investing monetarily for help for someone else, as far as mentoring, coaching, uh, through programs. I've gone through various. Uh, programs and all of them have had a purpose. 
Um, they may not have necessarily gotten me to where I thought I wanted to be at the time. And that was only because I was looking outward towards this program or that program and, oh, this is going to make me this. And then I had to make the shift and realize, no, what's going to really make you who you want to show up as is already in you. And these things that you're investing in are just ways of cultivating what is already there and existing. So I had to first come to grips and learn that part. And then when I realized that I was the main factor and how I could show up and who I wanted to be in the world, um, it, it's kind of like the resources at that point that started to come to me bought me so much more clarity. And that was through books, through reading. I listened to a lot of different podcasts. Um, I, list, I read a, ver a variety of um, self-development books. Um, I talk to different people who are doing things that I want to do. Um, one of the biggest I would say the biggest things that has made a shift for me is there's a book by Dr. Clarissa Pinkola Estes. That book just really opened my mind to me being in the space of a woman and feminine energy and what that actually looks like energy-wise. Um, the name of the book is called Women Who Run With the Wolves. And that book is kind of like my basis um, of things that I have learned in regards to shifting from being a health coach and coming into the whole energy, spiritual tech, soul work. And that has been a huge um, shifter for me. And another thing that has been a huge shift for me is creating pockets of communities of sisterhood because I'm an only child. And <laughs> I, although I wasn't very lonely growing up because I have a lot of cousins, I have a lot of first cousins. My mom has seven uh, siblings and they all have uh, two or more children. She's the only one out of all of her siblings who has one child. So everyone's always like, oh, you, you're spoiled. You must have felt lonely. No, because somebody, one of my mother's nieces or nephews were always at my house. Um, but I did, coming into this space, crave more sisterhood. And so it's funny because your, your community was one of the communities where I found that. And it was very interesting because you're in Australia. Uh, most of the people in that community are around the globe. We've never met each other personally, but we have such a great connection. And I believe that's because um, you yourself have implanted a very solid foundation of sisterhood that you've created for us to be able to tap into. Um, so I, I appreciate your community as well um, and the training that I'm going through with you as well. Uh, those are some things that have helped to shape uh, my, my journey, which is still ongoing, by the way. I've also learned that this is not a process where 
like you you win a prize and everything stops. This is an ongoing lifetime journey where I'm always going to be a student, but at the same time, um, I I have a calling to make sure that I'm also supporting and helping others. And those who decide that, you know, they want to become clients, they work with me and we go into transformational soul work and setting healthy boundaries and all those things. He made an impression on me. Beautiful. Thank you so much. I love there's many, many nuggets in there. And that last comment that you made around being a student, a perpetual, always learning student, while also being in a position to have something of real beauty to offer and to invite others into is such a refreshing and I think authentic frame for leaders and coaches and mentors at this time because it invites us to not have to be perfect. And in fact, it actually invites us to claim our imperfection, our not knowing everything. And the fact is that we're human. We are imperfect. We don't know everything. And when we are allowed to permit that in the way that we work, it makes us incredibly human. And I believe it brings a really beautiful resonance and intimacy to the way that we can work with our clients, which ultimately creates more success for everyone. So thank you for sharing that nugget. Absolutely. Can I just add something else? Oh, go right ahead. Um, you know, you mentioned about the perfection and I just want to kind of touch on that because whew, can we just take a deep breath right there? <laughs> <laughs> Women and our type A perfectionist personalities. And I am going to say, I got that from my mama. Mommy, if you're listening, you know, you pass that down to me, but I had to learn how to break out of that as well. And I really want to, um, I really want to speak this particular piece to black women out there and women of color who may be listening at, at this point. Uh, we have been raised that we have to be the best. We have to do everything perfect. We have to be above everyone else. Now, people may fight me on this, and that's okay. I, I enjoy different aspects and different perspectives and opinions, but the fact of the matter is it's been my experience that I can go into an arena and someone can just be mediocre, and me as a Black woman showing up, let's say, for instance, in corporate America, I have to go above and beyond and be better than. And that's what creates this perpetual cycle of being perfect and knowing everything and not making mistakes. And I really want us to get out of that. I really want us to get out of that mindset. I'm not saying go in and be lazy and don't do the work and don't show your value, but I want us to get out of the mindset that we can't make mistakes that we have to be perfect, that everything has to be, you know, I's dotted and T's crossed in every scenario. Because what that creates is it creates stress and stuckness in the body. The energy can't move around and it doesn't force the creativity. And so, so many of us, our ideas are dying inside of us because we're looking at how do I do this perfectly? And I've surely been 
guilty of that. You know, I, I, I still struggle with that every day because it's been a conditioning for us all of our lives. But it's time to get out of that conditioning. And I'm very mindful of when I'm getting myself in that space to kind of stop. And that's why I said your, your community and your training has been great because that has been one of the tools that has helped me to stop when I start getting that kind of thinking and say to myself, okay, how can I start to think differently? What is my body feeling and why are these thoughts coming up? And what can I do? And one of the things that you've taught us is moving the body so that that energy moves around because it's not about not acknowledging it. It happens. It's there. To acknowledge and deny something doesn't help us to heal it. So we have to acknowledge that it's there. But I love the fact that there are tools like getting on the mat and moving your body and doing what you call the the primal uh, feminine practice and being able to move that energy and shift so that now your mind is thinking in a different direction of, okay, I don't have to be perfect, but how can I get this done another way? Or how can I be good at this another way? Or how can I fail at this? It's okay to fail. I want people to know it is okay to fail. Society teaches us that it's not, but it's a lie. And it's costing us so much to believe that. Oh, yes. I love everything you have just expressed. And it takes such a courageous woman to say, let's relax our hypervigilance around perfectionism. Let's allow ourselves to embrace the ways that we might show up and be less than an A++++. And let's see that that vulnerability is required for, you mentioned creativity. And it's also required to say yes to that inner voice that we are. Simone, it is so clear to me that you have such a depth of personal mastery in this space, you know, to speak with so much passion as you do very clearly conveys. And I can really feel in the words that you express that there is such sincerity and authenticity in what you're expressing. And I think the world is so much better for the gift that you are cultivating, that you are devoting, even when challenges arise to sharing. So thank you so much for sharing your journey with us today has been inspiring to me. And I'm so grateful to be able to be part of the conduit to this, making its way out in the world. Thank you so much. I really appreciate Uh, being here with you, with your audience. I appreciate the invitation. You know, you talked about being vulnerable. And let me tell you, I'm going to let you all know out there, when I got this invitation to be able to um, share these words on this uh, uh, podcast with Jenna, I was scared shitless. <laughs> that old perfection <laughs> voice came up. And I even told you, Jenna, remember you the email? I said, oh my goodness. I panicked when I got the email because I'm like, what, what do I have to say? I'm not, I don't even know if I'm solid in my message. I don't. And then in the next instance, that intuitive voice, that she girl, she said, no, you're doing this because mm-hmm. people need to hear your journey. And it would, it would have been selfish of me to say, no, I'm not ready. There would have never been a time for me to be ready. Ready is right now. 
So I decided to take the leap and say, okay, yes, we're doing this. And I'm so happy that I did. I, I have much gratitude for you inviting me to do this. Oh, and it's such a privilege. We spoke in one of the earlier podcasts in this series about that idea of the question like, oh my gosh, who am I to do this? And then the opposite of that question being, who am I not to And so I love that you've just, like what you've just expressed was the perfect representation of who are you not to share this beautiful voice. And I can tell you when you, if, and when you go back and listen to this, your message is very freaking clear, lady love. It is so deliciously clear. And if you're interested in finding out more about Simone and following a little bit of her journey, uh, exploring how you might be able to work with her, Simone, where can people find you across the world wide web? Um, well, you can email me at support at simoneturner.com. And I am on Instagram. My name is Wildly Nourished Woman. Beautiful. And I'll pop the links for you in the show notes, which you can grab at jennaward.co slash podcast. Thank you so much, Simone. And now we turn our attention to Kate from Australia, whose early birth experiences shaped her path as a woman devoted to the empowerment of other women and mothers. So welcome, Kate. Thrilled to have you with us. And I'd love to kick things off by asking you, when did you first know that you were called or you desire to coach or mentor or work with others? Mm, Thank you, Jenna. Oh, I feel, I feel like really now that I reflect back, working with women has been, uh, it's been my calling since I was really young, but I don't think I actually tapped into that and connected to um, how I might go about that until many, many years later. And I think, well, I know that my first encounter with um, supporting a woman in her most vulnerable state and powerful state at the same time was actually um, during the home birth of one of my younger siblings that was supporting my mum. And I was, I want to say I would have been seven and my sister was, um, yeah, she was born. My mum birthed her in our family room and had, I'm the oldest of five, so there were three others (laughs) there, but I was the eldest and I just remember being absolutely captivated by this woman in her just in this incredible primal powerful state and but also this you know I knew that this was huge and that this wasn't something that I mean yeah that many children or many people actually are blessed to witness So I knew that it was an exceptional opportunity at the time, but I was patting her head and, and, you know, giving her this loving support and being with her at that time. 
And then I did it again. I mean, I was there, I was present as my youngest brother was born when I was 10 years old. And I know that they were just such pivotal experiences for me as a girl. And then as I developed um, into young adulthood and, you know, into a woman and, and I, I just held that and I carried that and that sense of, wow, my God, women are just so incredible. <laughs> and I knew that, um, that would be in my future, but it, it took a little while for that to unfold. So that's kind of the, that was where the seed was sown. Yeah. And then such a powerful seed. I feel like so yeah. many of us in our domesticated society don't necessarily come into contact with what a force of, yes. of power and of life that, I mean, every human is, but we're, we're speaking about women today because that's a lot of yeah. your work. That's also a lot of my work. And so whatever that definition of woman means, but particularly a birthing woman, it's such a, uh, I mean, it can be a very um, domestic uh, experience mm -hmm. and that can be absolutely beautiful. But this sounds like one of those moments that really pulls on the, potentiality that every person has within them for just yeah, heart-wrenching open life and aliveness yes. which I think so many of us deep down crave for and yet mm -hmm. may not have ever been raised in a culture or society or a family mm -hmm. which enables right. those types of experiences would that mm -hmm. be fair to say Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I think I felt really strange growing up, <laughs> you know, but also really <laughs> But I was like, you know, no one ever understood it and they were quite frightened by that. But I just, mm. yeah, the experience was beyond anything that I could make sense of back then. But now I know that it fuels me. Mm. Um, yeah, which is really amazing. And so what has been the transformation from that very pivotal seed that was planted in the family room as your mother birthed to your younger <laughs> siblings all the way through to now? And so I know that you work and coach with women, particularly women who, who are in phases of going through this similar transform. I'm curious, what mm -hmm. was the journey from that we're speaking to now like how did that transformation eventually find its way into the work that you do with women? If you'd give us a, a bit of a brief overview of what did that pivotal moment, that deep knowing and that deep experience within you, how did that become the work that you do in the world? Yeah. Mm, brief. Okay. <laughs> Here we go. Um, look, I think that... Um, I, I always knew as well that I enjoyed teaching and I loved um, the connection and the interaction that teaching brought. And so that was, you know, it wasn't necessarily working with women, but I kind of ventured into education. And so that was the first port of call that um, for me and really um, stepping into that role um, of educator and facilitator. And from that point, um, I guess everything's just been such a beautiful stepping stone. And I, from that place, I really craved much closer, um, more um, kind of 
grassroots level and, and you know, the nitty gritty um, one-on-one human interaction. And so I went then went on to do um, further studies in counselling and then followed by um, a master's in counselling and psychotherapy. And I... I guess I always, I mean, from that point when I began to really delve into the psychotherapy work, I knew that in some way, shape or form, I would be working with women. And I was pretty sure because at this point I was also, um, uh, I fell pregnant with my first baby and, you know, I was experiencing this journey myself and, really coming into contact with all of, you know, all of this, the experience that I had um, via my mom at such a young age. And so I was kind of like in this really interesting phase of knowing the capability of a woman from actually being there and experiencing that. And then also, you know, all of this study and learning about um, the mind and, and, uh, understanding our psyche and, and all of the rest of it. That was really, I, I guess I approached my own birth um, as quite the experiment <laughs> in all of my learning and all of my lived experience. And when I, when I birthed my first daughter and felt that same, you know, incredible primal energy, but then also accompanied by um, this real understanding of how the mind works in conjunction with the body. I mean, that for me was like, holy crap, you know, like this is, um, it is just phenomenal what we can accomplish as women um, and how these experiences can really transform us. And so, yeah, I mean, that for me was like, right, this is, yeah, this is what I need to be doing. And so my um, professional work, that's, you know, it just made so much sense for me to really focus in and narrow in on working with um, pregnant women. And also, you know, as I then experienced early motherhood and all of the, in, you know, the crazy terrain that um, that forces you to navigate, um, it was, yeah, it, it just felt so right for me to also be working in this same field. And, um, yeah, as I, as I got, as I learned more about myself, um, it informed my work with women. So, yeah. Mm. And this is often the way of new leadership whereby mm -hmm. there is a depth of personal experience, which really, is an embodied experience, a very lived, tangible, have the, have the personal fruits of the experience that yeah. goes hand in hand with a variety of different tools and strategies to be able to facilitate and partner with people to bring that same experience into their life. And I think that's been a big theme of the conversations I've been having with lots of different types of coaches and coaches who work in a very feminine way. It's that they mm -hmm. are certainly not perfect, but have the lived experience of what it's really like. It's not only theoretical. So it's right. beautiful yeah. to see that reflected in your journey as well. And so mm. I guess that brings us to a key question, which is what are some of the challenges or what perhaps has even been the biggest challenge in you bringing this work forward? 
board. Mm. So I'm without a doubt could appreciate that some of the challenges that you're struggling or juggling rather might be things like motherhood as well as managing a family and desiring to bring your work forward in the world. But I'm curious within yourself, what has perhaps been one of your biggest internal challenges in saying, I've witnessed the power of woman and I desire to work with other women to help them remember that path isn't always linear. Certainly for me, it hasn't always been straight or easy. So what have been some of your or the biggest challenge for you, Kate? Oh, this, I mean, this experience with you, Jenna, and working with you and and the incredible group of women um, going through this certification has, uh, it has been just the most exceptionally exhilarating but agonizing but just divinely beautiful journey and i i feel as though it's been it's been fascinating for me to really reflect and acknowledge how you can feel so embodied in one area of your life and so disembodied in others. And I would have to say that the, the fact that I, I believe I was so programmed early on for um, an embodied birth experience certainly did not mean that I would then be an embodied woman in terms of my sensuality and my sexuality and the way that I operated in other relationships and and I just found that so fascinating and I think I would I would say that as particularly um, being in this stage of my life as a mother with young children it has just been so uh, such a raw and vulnerable learning experience and just this unraveling of particularly my my sensuality and my sexual identity as a woman and really uh, really stripping back so much of you know so many of those layers of armor and um really deeply connecting to my truth in those areas because I, you know, as I would say, most women have experienced a lot of pain um, and a lot of really challenging, difficult um, experiences when it comes to their formative, uh, you know, the formative years and developing their identity um, and their sensual nature. And I was certainly no exception. So, <laughs> the fact that I could, you know, nail birth <laughs> and feel just so raw and primal and open and have that, you know, embodied energy rippling through me. But yet, you know, in my relationship or really facing um, or confronting this, the other trauma of, the, you know, the stored trauma that I had held on to, um, as far as my sexuality was just phenomenal. And I just feel like that alone um, has opened me up to just so much more in this life. It's just, yeah, it's been mind-blowing for me. 
Mm. And this is an interesting challenge to face that there's one area of life that feels like Mm. I've got, I've been really primed or very aligned to bring Mm. a certain way of being forward in this, say, let's, for example, this quadrant of my life. And then now I'm being asked to not only master it here, I'm being asked to to master it over here and over there and in this quadrant and in this section of my life as well. And I think that's a very intriguing challenge that really is birthed very often from this place of integrity Mm -hmm. and also birthed from this place of not only having a theoretical knowing of something, but continuously being a student of your own work, continuously Mm. being in a state of, I would say for myself, it's like every single day continuously discovering where else and where more can I inhabit more of me and be more of me because the job seems to never be done. I think the work of life (laughs) is this work. And so it's really interesting as you express that, one of your challenges was that you'd nailed it in this quadrant and mm. then there was the invitation to say, and more, bigger and wider. And can you have that same freedom and permission to be your most primal, beautiful, powerful feminine self over here and here and here? And that can seem really exhausting, I think. That can seem really <laughs> exhausting for a lot of us. But the fact is that it's actually more exhausting to diminish yourself it's actually more exhausting to stay small would you agree oh I so so would and it's I I think you know it's once you scratch the surface and you just realize what is under there it's like oh my god you know the yeah the sheer uh effort that it takes actually to hold on to that and you know these stories that we tell ourselves and what we um yeah, the, the shame or the, um, yeah, we just kind of go around in these merry-go-rounds of, of um, trying to keep ourselves together and trying, trying to keep this particular image happening and that is just exhausting. So, yes, mm. I would agree. <laughs> and it's interesting because it also, I guess, the kind of woman who, very similar to both yourself and myself, the question really arises, and I'm interested in your take on this question and I'm also asking everyone that's joining us for this conversation the question that you're really indirectly asking is are you ready to settle for less Mm. in a particular area of your life like are you ready to settle and I feel like this new wave of women if we want to call it the next wave of feminism or feminine empowerment or the next Mm. wave of just I don't know, being real humans, maybe being kind, sincere, real humans. (laughs) It really asks us to say, no, I'm not willing to settle. No, I'm not willing to settle because I certainly know I'm not willing to settle. And I hear that you are not either. (laughs) Yeah. And I think the more and more that you actually learn, you know, know yourself and the deeper and deeper that that um, comes about, yeah, the less you are willing to settle. So that's exciting though. Yeah. It is exciting. Equal parts exciting and a little bit of exhausting. And that's okay yeah. as well. <laughs> totally. And so, Kate, for you, what has been your biggest help? We've spoken mm-hmm. about the challenges that you face, the challenges of this ripple happening across many quadrants of your life. But then I'm also curious, in terms of bringing your work forward, you know, like many women, I'm not sure about you, but I certainly know there's t- so many different challenges challenges of you know confidence challenges of all different types of nature what has been your biggest help in 
your own way, bringing your unique message from your lived experience forward into the world? What's been your biggest internal or external support? Yeah. Oh, well, I mean, this community that, um, that you have created, Jenna, has, I mean, yeah, this has been a platform for just an incredible um, opening for me. And, but ultimately, I would say that reconnecting to movement, to my body and to, um, uh, because I have been very much um, stuck in an academic space for so many years as well. And really, yeah, I mean, my work and just approaching life in general was happening from the neck up um, 95% of the time. And as a child and a young woman, I was, you know, I was massively into dancing and, and movement. And so for me, the permission to and the encouragement to reconnect to um, my body in this way, in this really expressive, open, receptive way has just, um, I mean, it is now part of my daily practice. It is the way I incorporate movement into everything I do, you know, any big decision, any kind of, you know, any time I'm feeling like, okay, I've just got to move this through me. And it has just been the most um, phenomenal resource that I've always had, but I feel as though um, it's as far as helping me, not only has it allowed me to reconnect to my feminine nature and, and bring me back to those, you know, the states of flow that really support me in my day to day, but it has, as far as my work with other women, these personal practices and, and this journey of embodiment, this lifelong journey is just informing and um, opening my work with women and deepening my work with women in ways that I had just, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I don't want to say I'd never imagined, but I just hadn't, I hadn't felt that. I hadn't been able to feel the depth of, of connection and congruency in, I think, my own life and my own work until now. And, yeah, mm. it's just so powerful. Mm, thank you for the kind words. And oh, I can very deeply relate mm -hmm. to the idea. So for those of you listening, um, Kate's speaking about moving her body in almost like a moving meditation, like a very feminine form of inhabiting um, her feminine nature. And this is a practice that exists in many places in the world. And it's a practice that we also use inside the trainings that we do. That's the coaching certification as a way to, and to metabolize it into our body. You were speaking to Kate, you said it creates this great depth. Mm. And this is the thing with inhabiting our body fully, the feminine, inhabiting this feminine body fully, that's embodiment. Yeah. There is just infinite depth here, infinite inspiration, creativity. 
creativity, our body has every decision that needs to be made. And the deeper our connection with that place is, the more free that essence that is our true self is, is just so, or my life or anywhere in my entire mm. is also for me one of the key practices. I feel like I would be on out to die of dehydration in my life. <laughs> I couldn't do that practice. And yes. it's beautiful because it's a self-practice. You don't need anyone yeah. else there to do it. So mm. beautiful. And yeah. so Kate, I'd love to hear from you. Your very uh, final question from me. Mm -hmm. If you could go back, let's, you know, say however many years, five, seven, ten years, and give your younger self as, you know, the coach, the leader, the woman mind, and just give yourself advice or a sweet little whisper of remembering, mm -hmm. what would you say to yourself back then? Oh my gosh, what a question. <laughs> there would be so many. Um, it would, I mean, it would just have to be a, a real reminder, I think. It's you know, just to remember that everything, you know, everything is in you. So stay connected to that. Um, yeah, you, you don't need to strive to be anyone or do anything. It's, you know, just stay with that remembrance and 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 be true to that and all will unfold so i guess that's a message of trust right <laughs> ultimately but um it's a message of trust and one of intimacy it Maybe. is <laughs> thank you so much for joining us today it's been so beautiful to share oh. some of more of your journey and kate if the ladies who are joining us for this conversation would like to find out more. Where can they reach you? Yeah, well, my work is um, I do work with women one on one and um, I do run courses. But if you would like to keep uh, posted around that, my website is kateleeper.com. Thank you so much, Kate. And the link to Kate's website is available in the show notes for this episode on iTunes or at jennaward.co slash podcast. And Kate's website again was kateleeper.com. Now it's time to hear from our third guest. And last, but by no means least, a very warm welcome from Sweden, Hane Lina, whose past experiences of deep grief and tragedy have reshaped her future and her work with clients. Thank you so much for being here with us, Hane Lina. And I want to kickstart this conversation by welcoming you and also by asking you this first question. When or how did you first realize or know that it was your work, it was your calling, it was a desire of yours to work, to coach, to mentor with other women. Mm, thank you so much, Jenna. So beautiful to be here. Mm, and that question is 
actually pretty easy for me to answer. I think during my entire life, I have uh, intuitively been <laughs> coaching uh, people around me, uh, but not as my work i was in advertising and design for 12 years and then uh, i went into a very uh, traumatic and grief-filled period in my life where um i witnessed the death of my dog and uh, my pet my dad and then also my mom uh, all died within two years uh, and it was actually on my a mother's deathbed that I had this massive download um, of changing my life and knowing like a deep knowing that this is all happening really intensely for me in this way uh, so that I can support and work with with others uh, and and use it as a service so that's how it all started for me I think and it's a pretty wild lens to look at something like death, particularly mm -hmm. of very close family members, immediate family members, your mother even, who is our first blueprint for what it means to be a woman. It's a very radical lens, I think, for us to listen and to hear you say it was a real gift in that experience because I'm sure it, in the time it certainly didn't seem that way. Would that be fair to say? Uh, definitely and my my mother was my my i mean we hang out all the time she was my mother my sister my best friend and we were incredibly close uh, so so her death was without a doubt the most traumatic thing that has that has happened to me of course and and that's why i was almost I was in a shock state of course uh, that day when I, when she when she died and she died of cancer and I had to write this all down because I didn't know what that download was coming from. And I, I don't think I had experienced that uh, on such an intense level before. But in some way, uh, it, it did turn into, um, I'm not sure I want to bring it all the way to gratefulness at that point. But very much it, it got into love and like a feeling of just being completely filled up with love in my heart and spirit and body and everything. So. Mm -hmm. Then I can just say that a, a period of time of um, maybe nine to 12 months followed where I worked basically only with my own healing in different ways. So it wasn't like I started to work the next day. I had mm -hmm. to, of course, be completely shattered and completely destroyed and die in one way to, to then be able to be reborn and start to work with it myself. So it definitely wasn't easy, but it was a very strong calling and it mm. was a very love-filled calling. Yeah. yeah. And it's so common that we see that there's different aspects of your very personal and very lived embodied experience that mm. inherently shape how you move forward both as a woman but also in your profession so you've clearly had a big change of profession before this trauma and these life-changing events you mentioned you were in advertising and design and now you work in the field of coaching so yeah. i'm really curious there's a big change across many areas of your life that seems to have happened yeah. and so if you were to reflect on that time when you were emerging from the most intense period of your personal healing yep. into the idea that post-download, things need to change, things need to be different. Mm -hmm. What would you say was 
different within you in how you were operating as a woman. So what did this, this big transitional period in your life, what did that download look like in terms of the way that you were relating to yourself, you were relating to life, almost your view of the world? What was the texture of that change? Mm, beautiful question. So um, I would say I, b- before uh, these years that were, were very like trauma filled, I lived a, a very happy life, I would say, like the way most people reflect and think about happiness. And I kind of, you know, had it all and I had fun, I partied a lot and I had, you know, my beautiful husband and, and boyfriend at that time, we were really happy living in New York and, and working in design and everything and advertising. But I always had a feeling that, you know, there's something deeper, there's something else I should be doing, but I kind of didn't really listen to that voice at that time. Mm. And then during my uh, the healing period I went through personally, I my life went from being a black and white movie is the best way I can describe it into when I came out of the tunnel or however you want to you know vision it, I came out into a vibrancy of my own life and my own being and like color exploration, and I felt actually more alive than I had ever felt before. So today, um, I mean, if I want to summarize in just a sentence how, I mean, guess <laughs> um, my biggest um, influence maybe on women and, and couples that I work with too is to really activate uh, people into this aliveness and not just being, al- being, being you know, living uh, but actually feeling alive and actually feeling vibrant and, and um, that kind of juicy stuff because mm. it's really possible whatever you're going through. That's my kind of take, take on, on everything. Mm. Um, and it's a beautiful lens that vibrancy and aliveness and living in full definition technicolor is yeah. really possible even when really heart achingly or traumatic or stressful situations have gone on in life and I think that shows a very beautiful resilience of the human spirit and the human nature which is a beautiful embodiment of yeah and maybe even more so because most people I mean if you want to take a kind of a positive outlook on life when you if you're in the middle of like grief or separation or something right now and want to take a little bit of a positive lens on it it's most people go on their entire life without starting to really you know come home to themselves and to really Mm -hmm. work with themselves so most people go through life and living an okay life but that is some some somehow a bit numb uh, just to make a huge generalization. But I mean, the, the fact is that when you go through trauma, grief, or whatever it is, big life-changing events, uh, when you want to turn that around, I mean, inevitably that means self-development. That means looking at your demons, looking at all these painful things and work through them. And on the other side, there is technicolor. There is like aliveness, vibrancy. Mm. I mean, it always is just crazy beautiful about mm. life. <laughs> so beautiful. And so I'm really curious to hear from you. What do you feel like has been one of your biggest challenges in bringing this, so you, this personal awareness of living a really vibrant, bright life 
then bringing that to work with other people. I'm really curious, what's been one of your biggest challenges in bringing those passions, those personal insights? What's been one of the the biggest barriers or challenges to bringing that forward and making a success of it in the world? Um, <laughs> I think one barrier is a lot of women come in and think that, okay, maybe that worked for you, but it's not going to work for me. I mean, a lot of people or women think that this is not really available for them. Mm-hmm. Um, so just coming into my, coming into my practice requires, um, and I mean, I'm sure it's the same feeling for you sometimes, but it requires a lot of confidence in this process, in the process that, you know, I can only show up, do the best I can, activate the best I can, and then it's up to, uh, to the woman or the couple if they want to actually, you know, use the tools or go into it and work with it and, and actually see the magic coming through. Uh, but so a lot of people are afraid that this might not work for me or they, uh, I also experienced that a lot of women are a bit scared because they're like, I, I don't know what's going to come up. I'm not sure what's going to come up. I'm not sure I want to work with, on myself or with myself because I'm not sure what's, you know, what's lingering mm. underneath. And, but then I just say, you know what, there's nothing new. There's really nothing new that your body and your spirit doesn't already know. And that you're not suffering from every breath and every step you're taking um so all you do is you're bringing it up to life and you process it and yes it can be super painful but this is already existing information within your within your whole system so it's also you know a way of trying to um to help people not be scared of diving into the work Mm. uh that's definitely a barrier because a lot of women that i talk to are like oh so fascinated and and uh, so interested and i i work a lot with connecting not just grief but also a female sexuality and creativity and how to use this like life force energy and how to connect with it in your work and in your life and um, they're basically people are a bit afraid of what (laughs) what they're going to discover and um and yeah, so, so, so being able to, um, to, I mean, to show up with a confidence of uh, there's nothing really to be scared of. I mean, yes, mm-hmm. it can be painful, but the result is going to, is going to really pay off. Mm. and that confidence from the lens of being the coach yeah part of that confidence as you've so beautifully expressed it does come from a place of being so committed and being so devoted to your own personal mastery as you've spoken about so you use the word those demons that's totally true i think i think part of us deep down must be called to this work for the very reason that it is a mandatory requirement for us to continue to grow as well. It's not like mm-hmm. you get to some certain point of aliveness and then you say, okay, I'm done. Now I can just teach everyone and I never have to do <laughs> personal work again. It doesn't work that way, which is a beautiful side effect of wanting to do this work. And mm-hmm. so in a lot of ways, I really see that confidence is a barometer of just how connected we are into ourselves. 100 percent yeah and ultimately there's 
no better resonance to hold as a coach than simply being connected to yourself, even if that does mean being connected to the uncomfortable and finding safety and love for yourself in the uncomfortable. And what you also spoke about, the other point you raised was really interesting. That question mark, like, well, this worked for me, you know, this tool or this process or this worldview, this worked for me in a challenging time. And how am I going to be sure that it is going to work for other women, other couples, Mm -hmm. other individuals that I then go on to work with? I think that's a very interesting question. So Mm -hmm. let's speak to that a little bit. What was your journey or your thought process? What was your experience around that question? Well, it worked for me, but will it work for anybody else? What external or internal resources might you have contacted to navigate your way through that uh, decision, which is ultimately a decision that a coach who has integrity is asking? Mm -hmm. That's a great Mm -hmm. question to be asking. Mm -hmm. But what internal or external resources might you have used to navigate that that process, which is part of the building of confidence? Um, Yeah, and just to go back to that confidence, it's 100%, I would say, comes from this complete embodiment mm. um, and I think internally internally wasn't so difficult just because I had been going through all this shit to be <laughs> just <laughs> frank I mean all this pain and uh, just observing and understanding how all the different tools and and for me it's all also uh, shamanic tools and it's tantric tools and embodiment tools but how it actually worked for me and like a complete transformation uh, made it made it you know not so difficult from an internal perspective maybe to understand that okay this is not just working on me I'm not different from anyone else so this does actually work and people have been using this for millions of years or thousands of years. Uh, we all have this inside of us, but we've lost this knowledge basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, so starting to dive into that and understanding the knowledge behind and, and you know, that it's actually, it's definitely not just me. <laughs> it really works. And we're what we are vi- wired as human beings to be able to process things, but we have shut that off. Like we have kind of shut off that 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 knowing by um, by using like a tool where we kind of push everything down to our bodies, you know, and hold it in our bodies, and we don't really we don't really um, express feelings the way we want to express it, or or emotions, or conversations, or whatever it is. So we kind of just chug it all down our yonis and our uh, torsos. Um, but we we all have really have the ability to um, to process a lot of things in ourselves when we when we kind of reconnect to those old uh, old knowings and tools. And I think from an external perspective, it's just about practice, <laughs> working with a lot of people, and and having these kind of conversations all the time with friends and family and so on. Uh, I think is what ultimately made me understand that, okay, this works. This really works. (laughs) Mm. And practice is often a rarity when we're coming into this. I'm a big believer that practice and also witnessing other people uh, Mm. in their styles of, of coaching and working is just so useful. I'm a big fan of peers and practice. And Uh I also love the other point that you spoke to the idea that, Everything that is required 
if we want to continue with a very simplified version of your message, which is life in vibrant full color, mm. everything that is required to move through the, the demons and the shadow and into that place already exists within an individual. Yeah. And I think there are a lot of different modalities or tools or ways of coaching that take different perspectives on that truth. Certainly from a feminine coaching point of view, it is without a doubt the idea that as coaches and as leaders, we're partnering with a client or with a student or whatever label you'd like to give the person you're in partnership with. We're partnering with them simply to find that truth within their own body first, mm-hmm. rather than saying, well, I know what's best and I know why this is going on and I have all of the answers and here, let me tell you what's wrong with your <laughs> And it's a very different paradigm. So I think as you speak to the idea that it's a remembering that you've already got all the programming in your body to get this 100%, for want of a better word, right. I'm simply here to facilitate and to partner with you to guide you in the remembering of that most natural vibrancy that you are. So that's a really beautiful, I think, uh, distinguishing, which perhaps sets some of these types of feminine coaching modalities away from more of a prescription or superimposing or um, I know best type of ways of working. Absolutely. are really common in the world, particularly in healthcare settings and more uh, traditional uh, power over somebody setting. So it's a really beautiful thing that you've illuminated there. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And did you want to add anything to that? And no, no. Okay. <laughs> So now I'm also curious, what's been your biggest help? What in, again, internal, external resource has just been like the rocket fuel that has really supported you moving this work forward over many, many years. What's been your greatest help, Lena? It has been a few things. Mm -hmm. It's been my spirit team (laughs) that I connect with daily uh, and that I'm constantly communicating with and feeling supported by. Um, And it's been uh, my mother, who's also Mm -hmm. still like all the time with me, helping me, fixing and tricksing, uh, supporting me. Uh, it's been a couple of my best friends, soul sisters, that I have not, I mean, I had not been able to make it through these past years without them. Uh, and my son, of course. And, and also my, 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 ex, my ex-husband, who's been extremely supporting and loving, and my current boyfriend. <laughs> so I have, a, I have a whole support system around me. Um, some alive on this earth (laughs) and uh, a few of them supporting me from other dimensions and uh, that's uh, actually something I was thinking about when I went to bed yesterday that uh, because someone pointed out to me you have no parents and no siblings alive and you know it's a lot a lot of death in my family but I I don't feel alone I feel I feel supported and I feel surrounded by a family that I have created um, myself based on love <laughs> based in, based on love and trust and and um, values that are important to me instead of uh, of blood I mean obviously my son is blood but every everyone else in my family and also I have like an extra mother <laughs> mm. um, 
is our people that I have just, you know, gathered myself. <laughs> it's beautiful. And I'm curious because uh, sure, I'm sure a lot of women who take this, uh, let's describe our types of paths as a little bit unconventional in some way. Mm-hmm. I'm sure many people face um, challenges in their family or friends, blood or otherwise, really getting on board and understanding the work. Yeah. And what I mean by the work is you've clearly dramatically shifted the type of woman you've been over these years. And so I'm really curious, have all of these people that you've really consciously chosen, and let's describe them as your family, as you mm-hmm. do, have all of them always understood your work and agreed with it 100% all the time? I'm curious. Um, no. But <laughs> I think mm. this, this, this core has supported me and, and understood uh, my shift, uh, even if everyone hasn't been through similar shifts. Um, so, so, I mean, this core has always supported me, but so many friends that, that are not in this core have not. And then, you know, you grow apart or you, you go apart for a while or um, you just see each other differently and, um, and you value different, different, you know, traits and friendship and family uh, as you shift and as you change. But the interesting thing for me is I haven't had to deal with the expectations and the um, um, sometimes you know negative or limiting beliefs from parents as my parents doesn't live so mm-hmm. there's 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 something interesting in that because i have felt their tremendous support uh, through this process um and a lot of my friends and co-workers you know that are in the kind of the same space that that's one of their biggest struggles mm-hmm. you know how a family starts to look you start to shift out of your own old role and that gets really uncomfortable <laughs> for parents and for for people that are close to you and I, I i mean i i haven't had that struggle but of course a lot of friends and a lot of other relationships had have uh, have uh, have suffered from my change and of course also the fact that me and my uh, ex-husband are uh, split up is that's one part of it you know me starting to make huge shifts and becoming another version of myself um yeah mm, it's interesting to speak to the evolution of these relationships because very often as you've mentioned there's been lovers and partners and friends who maybe not have not come along for your ride and I think the idea that people might fall away as there is an evolution in one particular direction can be really frightening as we set out on this path because there can be a big question mark well if these people fall away who will be left and where will be my family and where will be my support? So your, your, what you've shared is a beautiful example of these people exist. Yeah. And absolutely support available. And you can also look at it just in a very simple way. It's like, um, cleaning your wardrobe almost you have to make space for new relationships to come in friendship Mm. relationships or whatever it is. Like if you don't make that space, new people will not come in. Mm. So, um, I know a lot of women are super scared of, of the change that might come from doing work. <laughs> uh, but there's really, you know, there's really just beauty in the end to come from it. Because as you shift, you call in new people in your life. 
That's been my experience as well. Yeah. Relationships have absolutely reconfigured and shifted mm. and dy- dynamics have shifted. Yeah. Um, some relationships have died, but the blossoming into other new relationships have been so fulfilling for me personally. Don't know why I would deny myself that degree of intimacy that I am capable of and that I really desire. Mm-hmm. So I'm with you on that. So I've got one final question. Yeah. I'm really curious. So you're from Europe. I know you travel around the world, but you're kind of in the center of Europe in a way. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious, what's the demand like for this more feminine, more feeling, more vibrant, aliveness and sensual type of woman in your part of the world? I love that question (laughs) because um, we are as I'm from like Northern Europe and we tend to be pretty uh, tighten up as a, as a, you know, as a people. Um, And women just start to more and more, I mean, all over the world wanting to, to move into this, but not knowing how. So I think within the coming year, it's going to be an absolute boom in Europe uh, when it comes to this kind of work, because everyone I'm talking to just are so inspired, wants to do it, wants to dig in and like wants to understand everything around, you know, around the work because we are so, um, in Sweden, we are super, which is beautiful. We're super, super equal, gender equal. Uh, but it, in some ways, we're almost so equal that men becomes women and women becomes men. And we co- completely tend to lose a little bit of the polarity between men and women. and um, uh, a lot of people want to, you know, step back a little bit and start to feel into, okay, what do I really want to? Because I don't want to become this extreme, like non, um, I mean, almost non-gender, if that makes sense, person, mm-hmm. uh, just mm-hmm. because society is moving that way. We're, we're moving to, towards complete equality, equality between men and women, which is beautiful, of course, in terms of a lot of aspects in the practical life and in terms of work and money and all of that. But there's something that gets lost in this, uh, in this movement as well. Mm. And people are starting to wake up to that here in Sweden and I mean around Europe and uh, wanting to to take back some of their femininity and some of their qualities and like the amazingness and magic that it really means being a woman uh, instead of pretending to only um, draw from you know all the masculine traits and feeling that like the masculine way of doing things is is the way of doing I mean of success Mm. I Um, hear you in that it's really saying the idea of equality does not mean that a woman has to have all of the same traits as a man or somebody who identifies as a female must have all the same traits as somebody who identifies as male equality is such a powerful foundation it's so beautiful Europe does lead the way in a lot of ways in terms Mm -hmm. of equality from my uh my limited experience 
But I also see that there's so much power in understanding, as you described, our poles and our places. And from a foundation of equality, I think it's such a rich next frontier for perhaps the concept of feminism, but also for the concept of humanity. Yeah. I'm really which which I prefer (laughs) the humanity and the heart led, you know, way instead of like. Yeah, we can we can rule this world together. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's a really beautiful message to weave into the idea because this podcast is called Feminine Coaching. And what's mm-hmm. quite interesting is that it's not necessarily about feminine, the feminine being the feeling pole, being completely synonymous with women or being superior in any way. Rather, mm-hmm. the feminine pole is so rich and alive and sensual and you've touched on sensuality. I'm sure we could go into so much more about that. But how liberating for a society of equal and valued women and individuals who identify as having a feminine essence to be empowered and to have a culture that embraces their sensuality safely. Yeah. Yes to that. Amen. Hey, woman. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for your time today. It's been really juicy and so beautiful to get to know you more. The ladies who have joined us for this conversation or anyone who's listening in would like to find out more about your work. Where should they go? Um, Go to my website uh, on com. Beautiful. Yeah. I'll pop the link to that in the show notes Thank and also so on the podcast. Thank you so much for joining us for these diverse, beautiful stories from women who all around the globe are sharing the tools of the feminine, the tools of embodiment with their own very distinct flavors. And every single woman has this incredibly unique an incredibly distinct flavor to share with the world. Naturally, as we practice and as we hone and as we craft these flavors, they become clearer and cleaner and stronger. And this is equally as important as learning the tools, the structure, the masculine foot container to work with our clients and something that we're really devoted to cultivating with our students. If you'd like to learn more about any of the wonderful ladies that we've had the privilege of speaking with today, the show notes are over at jennaward.co podcast, and I'd really encourage you to check their work out. This is our final episode in the Feminine Coaching Podcast, and it's also your final invitation and opportunity to join us in the Feminine Embodiment Coaching Certification Training if you're interested. You can find out more details about the training at jennaward.co slash certification. I'd love to speak with you and see if this certification and professional training might be a fit for bringing your passions and your flavor more fully forward into the world. And it just has been so much fun playing with you these past six episodes. This certainly is not the last that you'll hear from myself, Jenna Ward, and us at the School of Embodied Arts. And so if you'd like to find out more and stay connected, head over to jennaward.co. We can sign up to receive more ongoing goodness about all things feminine, embodied, sensually alive.
Welcome to episode six of the Feminine Coaching Podcast. I'm Jenna Ward, your hostess for this panel of beautiful conversations that we're bringing to you today. Now, this is our final episode in the podcast series. If you haven't checked out episodes one through five, you can do that on iTunes or you can sign up to get all the goodness delivered straight to your inbox at jennaward.co slash podcast. So today, 